Lloyd Russell is no ordinary person at all. He is an extraordinary person, and he's on our Extraordinary People uh, section today on the One Love Breakfast. Uh, welcome, uh, Lloyd Russell. Good morning, Pat. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Don't be all posh for me, mate. Just <laughs> just be yourself. I understand that you were going to say, say what, uh, well, go on to your Jamaican family. Yes, I want to say good morning to my Jamaican family. Well, go on, people. <laughs> and I also want to say to my Bristol family, morning, babbers. Morning, me babbers. <laughs> uh, now, listen, I've <clears> been uh, wanting to get you in for a little while on uh, Extraordinary People. It's something that where we celebrate people uh, of Bristol that have been doing amazing things and have had uh, a pretty interesting in life as well and yeah. um, this will be available via itunes and soundcloud and all the other places as a podcast uh later on as well so be careful what you say lloyd what is a podcast man? Uh, a podcast <laughs> not a podcast <laughs> now you're thinking of a pub crawl well, that's, that's, that's what i'm thinking of so lloyd we've known <laughs> each other what for maybe 25 25 years it, it De- definitely stretches Defin- a lot stretches a long time pat i uh, remember when you had air i think oh hey, behave yourself <laughs> behave yourself yeah he was at me wedding as well but we'll talk about that as well in a bit now lloyd you were born where i was born in bristol okay on on the back of my parents coming from the caribbean on the windrush set set up and i was the first born wow even, even though I, I have older brothers and sisters so where did your folks come from and, and, and when did they come here they came from uh, jamaica yeah. uh, they came from um, my dad came from spanish town in jamaica yeah and my mum came from also a place called bella's gate okay. in jamaica now, when you you came here, then you 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 were born here in Bristol, and you went to Fairfield Grammar, and it's interesting reading uh, some of the stuff uh, that you said that then it was practically an all white grammar school. Tell us about that, Lloyd. Amazing, because I was born, I was, I was raised in St Paul's. Um, basically, um, my brother, my older brother, went to uh, we we all went to St Barnabas primary school which yeah. is now Malcolm X yeah. in, in St Paul we all lived there um, the communities in those days were just Irish blacks and Italians as, as it was mm. um, obviously after when we went to um, the primary school St Barnabas we then went to the senior schools and my brother older brother went to Bishop, Bishop Road yeah. Bishopston and myself went to Fairfield Grammar which is in Montpellier so what what was it like then? A going to grammar school and and, and kind of an all white grammar school. What, what what was it like for you? Well, I lived in York Road, which is down the road from Montpellier. So from from Fairfield, sorry. And I presumed it was going to be a black school because I was just a young black kid then in those days. And how aware were you at that age of of your ethnicity? Um. I was well aware when I went to the school, when I went to Fairfield, basically, because right. it was predominantly a white school. And from day one, was getting the racial taunts and as it was. And right. I had to learn quick, quick how to mingle in, basically. Now, now right, uh, I made a joke on a Facebook post the other day that, you know, I'm sitting on the opposite side so you don't punch me yeah. in the arm because <laughs> you're, a, you're yeah. a strong man. And many, many people will, will, will know about your martial arts stuff and will come into yeah. that. But, you know, you can look after yourself. Then, mm. is it, what was it, an 11-year-old? Mm-hmm. What kind of kid were you? What were you I, like as a kid? I, I was a um, church-fearing, God-fearing person like most black, black kids in the day. We went to Sunday school, and it, you just followed the path. And basically, when I went to in my first year, year seven now, as we call it today, yeah. um, it was a tough baptism of fire, basically, yeah. just going to this school, and then suddenly... People just calling you names. They're from 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 the onset, really. What was the effect 
to you and, 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 and was it something you expected? No, far from it, Pat, far from it at all. I, um, I, I just basically had to learn hard. I, had to, I, t- I took it at first, basically all the racism and things like that, but um, yeah. in the end, I, I think I had to defend myself in a lot of cases. Yeah. I had to learn how to, the baptism, how to fight, I suppose. When we grow up, right, yeah. m- m- many young people, especially from the c- kind of families that we might have come from, but, you know, as God-fearing, very, yeah. very proud. Yeah. How were you, when you went through that, um, I would hope now kids would share what's happened to them. But very often, uh, especially young men, uh, wouldn't always share. Sometimes you might not want to share it with your siblings, your older brothers or sisters, because you feel somehow ashamed that it's happening to you and you can't do anything about yeah. it. How, how was it for you? Did you keep it within yourself or well, did you share it? No, no, what happened, when, again, going back to my very first year of school, um, basically it did sort of traumatise me, really. And um, I, I had a conversation with my parents and I didn't even want to go back to the school, right. really, because it's the sort of thing you don't go out and prom- promote sort of, of thing. Of course not. So I, was, so I had a word of my mum, my mum, basically, and she told me a story of when she came to Bristol herself with my, my dad yeah. and basically um, they had it as well coming to Bristol the racism and, and things like that and she told me a story uh, one time the very first time she came to to Montpellier to live that basically there's like a vigilante peep white people basically yeah. um, saying to him you don't go into town you've got to stay in these areas so um, she my mum and dad went to town on, and basically my mum really people spat in her face and things like this and she told me yeah. and what she was trying to say to me was that they 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 took it basically so you know what i mean it's something you got to try to override and try to try to go with it so basically that that was the start of me sort of mm. engaging i suppose did it make you angry at all? Because I know that uh, similar situations. Mm. I know about the whole spitting at uh, you know my mum and stuff when we were, when we were younger, growing yeah. up in Nottingham. Mm. And part of it, um, because our parents didn't always want to share what they'd been through to us, because it was their burden that that they took on unless they needed to. Mm. Um, for me, growing up, it made me angry. Yeah. It made me angry and wanting to to do something that that the people that I loved so much and protected me. Yeah. I was kind of like, well, I can look after myself, but yeah. if it's my mum or my dad, then I then I have to step in. And I'm, I'm really from 13. Yeah. You went to the Empire Club. Was that kind of something that that helped focus you? Yes, as I mean, as I got older, basically, um, yeah. Um, there was a guy called Dennis who owned the Empire at the time. Came to our school, and and basically, again, the Empire Sports Club was uh, a, a gym in St Paul's, um, but they had not many black people there as well, you know. So mm. they came to the school uh, and said they wanted black, no black kids into the school to come to the Empire to train, and that was really the start of me growing up in life. You know, it was a fantastic place, fantastic. I can imagine, right? Um, well, knowing you now, mm. but so for you, you know, like a kid that goes into a toy shop or a sweet shop yeah. or something but for you i can imagine going into somewhere like empire what were you thinking what, um, what did it look like what what was going on when you first walked into the place well again that's a it's a funny place it was a you'd have to to get when if you, to go there to understand the empire is it's a rough place um but it was a family place um if you had an attitude there you had to, you had to keep it out the door um, when i was a young lad i served all the guys saying you know get off the weights and things like that and yeah and, and it is it's a real man's sort of sort of place really and did that did that appeal to you is it something that you thought you know what i want to aspire to to, to do stuff here 
Absolutely, because a lot of um, role models came from from the empire. Um, even today, you know, there's a lot of descendants from the empire who, who've gone into world champions and things like that. You know, what do you, what do you think it taught you? What, what, what do you think if you were to look back? Because obviously, the empire closed in 2013, and, and you've been yeah. involved yeah. all the way through from yeah. age of 13. Yeah. If there were one or two things that you could say, do you know what? This is what empire did for me. It, it, it brought a togetherness. It brought um, different cultures, it had different cultures in, in the empire. Everybody got on. Um, it, it, oh, it's a family place. It's a family gym, a real gym for sure. me. And just, go, I don't want to carry on yeah. about school, but going back to school, at yeah. what stage in school yeah. did you, were you able to walk in school and yeah. say, do you know what, call me what you want because yeah. this is what you'll get? Uh, what, 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 when was the turning point? Well, well, the thing was, going to the empire, you saw, you, you, I, I used to train hard and I, I was pretty, pretty fit in those days and um, which are little learning boxing lessons and things, and then yeah. as you get older, you get you get more brave. But what I do remember is the guys used to call me names when I was in my first year, which yeah. is a year seven now. Yeah. By the time I got year nine, I think I um I paid my dues back to them as I got older <laughs> in life. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, but, yeah, but that wasn't the first and the last no. time you were fighting. <laughs> no, no, um, no, no, no. Apparently, there's an archive uh, rugby photo of the very first All Black rugby team from 1969 from, from the Empire Club, of which you were a team yeah. member. Tell us a little bit about um, that. Yes, again. Um, Dennis want because there was a lot of young black lads in those days, and Dennis wanted to invent. Uh, well to raise a, a all black junior rugby team uh, yeah. but the only problem was those very own all black yeah and it was literally that and, and, and that photograph is, is in the archives today as we speak because yeah. um you don't realize to get older what impact it had but um yeah. it was very uh oh the only thing about it was um you, 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 on a hot day you'd get everybody turn up but when it was freezing cold nobody would turn up so <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing about it you know what I mean Is it, do you think that's what, what started people like that old Crystal Palace chairman I remember Ron Nodes he'd go about footballers they're yeah. alright in the summer these black players <laughs> yeah absolutely but when it comes to the winter they don't want to play uh, it's a bit like the film Cool Runnings yeah 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 exactly that's the same that's exactly what he the said same. exactly the same were you a good rugby player yeah I think I excelled to a good, good level yeah I um Again, we we had a, a sort of community black rugby community team. We played together at St Andrews Park. We, we were very close, and we end up playing together for local local sides. So when we were younger, yeah. we all played for Bishopston, yeah, uh, local team, and then we all excelled on to playing. For, I, I played a few games for Bristol, yeah. like a few of my friends as well. Okay, yeah. was it was it the physicality of, of rugby or the skill? <laughs> level or was it both that, that attracted you be honest <laughs> i gotta say both because i've always been a physical person in, yeah. in one way or form you know i mean i i just love well contact i suppose okay <laughs> early <clears> teens <throat> uh yeah. uh getting in a bit of trouble with the police uh, yeah. but and, and and your crowd was mixed black and white kids absolutely yeah? i mean i think the beauty of going to an all-white school it taught me as a black kid you know i i got a mingle i got a mingle to get on in life and that's what i done from 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 my days at Fairfield and it, in all my life up growing up I've always I've always grown up with white white guys and, and mm. black guys I've all, I just don't see colours but it did and to you to, yeah. to, to you no difference if, if, if it was people that you had a little bit of love or friendship for then mm. at the end of the day irrespective of, of, of background yeah. So you thought that. Did it surprise you sometimes that other people didn't see it the same way as you? Yes, yeah. But, and it's quite true. When you're young and vibrant and fit, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I just didn't see it. I just, they're just my friends. 
and just people I grew up with, and then hence you end up going to town together, going into town, just everything just done together. So I just didn't see colour in, in the slightest. Mm-hmm. How bad did it get? When you know, it says here that, that, that you got into a little bit of trouble with the police. How, yeah. How bad did it get? Well, consequently, obviously, bearing in mind like my, my family or church going yeah. God-fearing people, I, I, I found basically, I, I just followed the crowd, I suppose, when I was a young lad. I, I just wanted to go into town, so I went with white guys, started going football, followed going to Bristol City from a very young age and and the rest is history as they say and then you just get unfortunately just get involved get in trouble and just follow the crowd well listen people talk about um, and it was you that told me about Jasper Thompson actually and then I dropped it in an interview yeah. with him and that interview is now history and it is history because it got picked up yeah. uh, by you know national yeah. uh, national people that yeah. people watch these films right about yeah. football hooliganism and stuff yeah. but you lot were part of one of the most feared football firms, mm. if you like. Yeah. And uh, a lot of black boys in that, in, in, in that firm as well, for, for Bristol mm. City. How, how did it come about? Well, again, you just, just fall into it. You, not only, only were we sort of Bristol City fans together, we went to clubbing together. So right. you just, it, was, it was like a family sort of thing. We, and just didn't see it, basically. But, uh, yeah, it just, it, we just ended up being in the firm and that's... That's, that's how it was in those days. That's exactly how it was those days. You know? Now, when, when we spoke to Jasper, and, and, yeah. and it was important because people think, oh, you know, football hooligans yeah. and whatever. Yeah. What it is now and what it yeah. was then. And, and the way I try, I'm, I'm, and I wasn't trying to sanitize it, but yeah. it, was a, it was grown men. Yeah. Um, who wanted to fight each other? Go in and you know. So it wasn't about picking on you know women and children, innocent people, no, was no, it? It, no. w- it was about people that wanted to yeah. have a scrap, basically yeah. somewhere. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, yeah. And your colours were mm. your your club. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. So it, it, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a lot older now, but obviously back in the day when we was younger, it was. Yeah. That's the way. It, just just part of growing up. But it's exactly how you said it, Pat. Basically. When you, it's difficult, isn't it? Because because uh, you mentor and you you work mm. with young mm. people and you yep. have them for a long time and you've, yep. you you talk, teach them martial arts and stuff. Yep. So when you see that physicality, that physical side of young people getting into uh, th- those kind of situations, all the teachers and the police and everyone going, "Stop it! You shouldn't fight. It's wrong and whatever." Mm. But then, of course, within you, you've got a deep yep. understanding of Absolutely. what it is that drives that. Absolutely, and there, there and there is always an underlying thing why young people tend to follow the trend. In today's world, work of young people, I can see myself. In a lot of young people who I mentor so you have that understanding basically when did the fighting in terms of the organized fighting with yep. uh with, with Bristol City part of the city firm and mm. you don't have to mention names and all that <laughs> <laughs> chief inspectors <laughs> listed right now <laughs> chief constable Andy Marsh when <coughs> there were a few of you and a few, very few very well-known people right yep. now in Absolutely. in our city but Absolutely. when did it stop and what was it that made it stop um, yeah, um, for for years we had we was going through the through the like I say confrontations with other clubs as you yeah. put it wordly. Um, but um, it stopped for me one day. We went to Port. We had a range, uh, an arranged conf- meet, arranged meet with a, another thing uh, team in um, well group in Portsmouth, and yeah. basically got got to off the uh, station and and. And some guy just tapped us on the shoulder, tapped me on the shoulder and said, basically, I know your name, I know who you are, 
if you step one foot forward that we're going to arrest you sort of thing it was like that literally so i right. thought in my it wasn't rocket science really because it's probably about four black guys yeah. and about 30 white guys so yeah. so i thought my my number is up then and that was the right. age of like i thought i think i'm i've been caught so i thought you know what it's time to change my career <laughs> still stayed a city fan though. yeah yeah i did i did i did i did and at the times of fighting yeah. when you balanced it what what was first and foremost was it city the team that you love supporting city or was it fighting or was it a bit of both or or was it just fighting a bit of, uh, a bit of both i'm afraid pat yeah <laughs> yeah it was a bit of both i, I enjoyed fight i i just did it you enjoyed it but it was just part of growing up i mean i yeah. it, well just just release my aggression That's just, yeah yeah, yeah which, which i guess plen- yeah. Yeah. plenty of people say that they yeah. they need to do um it's weird really because i always saw many years back living in south bristol and i'm talking about the days of maybe uh <coughs> when alan dix was the the, yeah. the manager and you had tainton and sweeney and all them lot yeah um and it were, to me, it was was always a very white football club. Yeah, um, yeah. it always was. Yeah. And I remember going with my mate Carmelo go down and uh, in the East End and whatever, and looking around. And then as soon as they started uh, abusing black players and whatever, mm. I wanted mm. to leave. I, mm. I, I remember saying, "Carmen, I'm going. Mm. If I hear one mm. more thing, I'm going." Yeah. And that was the only thing that would make me want to get into a fight. Actually, yeah. is because I felt yeah. that I, I I felt that I didn't belong there. Yeah. And then you'd hate this. Yeah. But then I'd go when Rovers were over at Eastville. Yeah. And I go and stand in a tote end with media and all them lot and I felt a bit more welcome it wasn't the football it was just because that was more of an inner city club things have changed massively now though haven't they massively massively and uh, I just say on the back of that I thought I had to change my lifestyle and that's what I did do I took up uh, fortunate enough I was um, very good at sports anyway so I thought I'd just focus my energies on just on sports, really. And, and what me. did you go into? What was a uh, major uh, sport? Obviously, rugby was to about my early 20s. Then I took up martial arts then because I got a bit fed up with uh, rugby and, uh, yeah, excelled on even greater, to greater Fight. heights on the martial arts. Really. Fighting again. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was disciplined, wasn't it? So, Very disciplined. So where did you learn your martial arts and what martial art was it? I, I, I was like everybody else in my young days to watch the Kung Fu movies late at night and the Bruce Lee's and the, all those, practicing my little kung fu moves and i done that they used to show those movies in at the cinema in is it king square that's right europa and all those old, yeah and we used to go and watch i remember going to watch them with the lads and, and you're on your way home and you're doing Practicing, the moves absolutely oh we all thought we were bruce lee and yeah things like that yeah and uh i thought oh i enjoyed this and took up laogar kung fu yeah the very first i'd done it and then from then i i, I again i went to the other side i done mark uh, karate then i and that was Wow. From there is good. So good. tell us the difference between someone. So Laugar, because yeah. I know, as I said, uh, yeah. you know, everyone knows the story that, yeah. that it was just after I got married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sherry's uh, nephew Darren yeah. told me, yeah. "Oh, you do realise that my auntie Sherry is was British yes, champion." She was. I, I, I went, remember. "What?" Yeah. I went, "What?" I said, so now when I have a row, mm. I stay away from striking or kicking distance, <laughs> uh, just just in case she tries to do a, a round ass kick. Yeah. So what is Laugar? Logar is is the form of kung, kung fu. Um, it's, it's, it's just a different, it's just a different type of martial arts compared to karate. Really, it's, yeah. so basically, it's very, very blessed moves based mainly on on on, on, your, on your animals and things like that. And yeah. it's based on moves around. Very delicate art. Really, very, yeah, 
Produced and Bristol's produced some many champions, oh, many champions, yeah. British and world champions, and of world course champ- you with recruiting yeah. kickboxing. Yeah. So, yeah. at what stage did you begin to compete, and who is it that saw that <clears throat> that that talent in you to say we need to get you uh, entered into competitions, or, or did you yeah. see it in yourself? Well, well I, th- I think it's a bit of both, really. I think um, um, in Laogar we did fight top level there, um, but I, I just again I think I think a few of my friends again I was always geared by other people. I said try try karate. It was only because of that, and uh, obviously, from from you had to start your way from the bottom and work your way up to the top, and yeah. that's what I did do. And so, what age were you when you began to to compete, in, roughly? In the twenties, in my early twenties, yeah, yeah in my early twenties, yeah. And it's not that long ago. I mean, mm. when, when was the last time that, that you competed? It's a few years back, but it's not that long no, no, ago. No, I, I think I stopped about five, about probably about six years ago, five years ago. Um, uh, and and mm. that moved into kickboxing, did it? Uh, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, and I always, I've always kept myself fit anyway. So, um, yeah, wow, yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to talk about um, you teaching karate and, and so much other stuff. You know, we've only got we, we got halfway through mm. already, and mm. we've only done the early bits, mm. I guess. Uh, if you just tuned in, uh, it's extraordinary people on the One Love Breakfast. We're broadcasting uh, from BCFM Studios here at Easton on ninety three point two. We're also broadcasting on Ujima Radio ninety eight and online via Pirate Nation. Uh, Lloyd Russell is in studio with us. Morning, my babber. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, me babs. Now I've got Omar. There's nothing like this lined up. If we've got time yep. towards the end yep. uh, of the interview, but uh, Lloydie, thank you for staying with us. We've uh, spoken a lot about you as a young man uh, growing up uh, and being born in in Bristol of uh, Jamaican parents who, who came here uh, in the fifties, uh, nineteen fifty six, in fact, uh, as part of that Windrush generation going to Fairfield Grammar School uh, in Mont- Montpellier, then, uh, which was then an all white. Grammar school, same school, by the way, that Carrie Grant, the actor Arch- Archie Leach, uh, oh, I wasn't there at the time. Mine attended. No, I'm just generally <laughs> <laughs> it was before that. Um, but you've spoken as well about um, not expecting it, but um, you know, being racially abused as a as a young one in your first year, or now mm. the, the equivalent of year seven mm. uh, of that school, and then uh, getting over to Bristol Empire Club uh, and learning to defend yourself and making sure that. Uh, yeah, a little bit of retribution was served to those that bullied you. Just a uh, little. When you were young. I'd seen it as I said a little. Uh, and getting involved in martial arts as well. And we've spoken about um, karate mm-hmm. and laogar as well. Mm-hmm. So at what levels did, did you compete? And, and how did you get on across all of your forms of martial arts, including kickboxing and stuff like that? Um, I, I got on all, 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 all levels. Went to the highest level you can go in, in martial arts, basically. Compete. Completed for Bristol, competed for a national squad, um, for um, British championships, wow. representing the country as what, well. What was that like, Lloyd? To to from you know growing up in the city, going through the issues that you had as a as a kid, um, and then going to represent your country. It's something that there are not many people listening right now that can say, "Well, I've actually represented uh, not just your city, but your your country." What was it like? Just felt proud, proud basically. Putting uh, mainly as well, putting Bristol on the map as well because I'm a proud Bristolian. Um, but one of the main factors, bigger impact for me, it kept me out of jail, Pat. And I'm not not, not lying. It martial arts kept, fought, gave me a discipline uh, to control my emotions. What, and I just got, you know, it really kept me out of jail when I was younger because I was drifting when I at the time when I started martial arts, I was sort of drifting to crime a little bit and, okay. and I, I, had to, I had to find a sense of direction yeah. basically what kind of crime? 
Um, you know, I don't ask the easy questions, <laughs> do you? Well, uh, all sorts of crime. It was all types. I mean, like, yeah. similar to what people do now, basically. But you know, I think I was fortunate enough to, to not get caught, really. And and I just thought I just had to change my direction. When, I, when you look back, yeah. um, you know, as, uh, as you turn into a young man, you know, yeah. I mean, you were working as a doorman at the age yeah. of 18, I yeah, think. Yeah, I did, yeah. And so if you're involved in crime, there were going to be those people, who, whoever they are, that were probably weaker than you, scared mm-hmm. of you. When you look back now, yeah. how do you see that phase in your life? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, even though in my early days I was... I could look after myself, as they say, but I've, I was never a bully. I was never nothing. But I did get involved in sort of sort of crime stuff with other g- gangs. And I use the word gangs now, but in those yeah. days it was gangster stuff. Gang. I used to work when I first done my door eighteen. I used to work for big time gangsters, basically. And many of the clubs in that yeah. way were owned in that way, and and, and yeah. certainly security yeah. were controlled by. They you were. Know, what you, it ain't what you see in the movies. It's real life, yeah, isn't it? It is it its real life. Yeah. Um, at one time, one the doors I was working on, a young, well, a regular guy used to come to the club. Um, he vanished basically, and they found his body underneath a slab. I'm not mentioning any names, and mm. he's a real well-known gangster back in the day, really. Um, but I just went from there, strength to strength, even on the door work, basically. I, Did you have to have a <clears> sense <throat> of no fear going into those going into those situations? Because some people would stay away, you know, yeah. people, you know, if we know that if our parents were with us, hmm. they'd be telling us, yeah. you know, stay away from trouble or trouble will find you uh, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You had uh, to be streetwise, didn't you? I had to be streetwise because even those days when I was younger, I mean, I did have the fear factor of them. I didn't want my, my parents to know. I, I kept it away luck fortunate enough i kept it away from my house yeah. my home i didn't want to embarrass my family so i did i did have that on the back of my mind at, at, at all levels really you know um this is something really important yeah. you know people that are listening right now yeah. that that maybe don't understand you know uh, uh black and minority uh, yeah. uh culture in in this country yeah um <laughs> you know and if you read if you read certain newspapers you wouldn't understand it but yeah. Actually, our families, there, there was this shame. Oh. Because our families, you know, God-fearing families, yep. uh, parents yep. bringing their children up yep. will be absolutely, it's not just being angry and livid no. and beating you. No. It actually would feel a complete sense of shame within that entire community if their children were involved in wrongdoing. Ab- absolutely. And no. it's a massive thing, massive. even up to the age of, you could massive. be 24, 25. Yep, absolutely massive. The respect you have for your own mum and dad was immense. Um I used to, well, I can remember a small occasion when I went to town with a, with a friend of mine in town and he, he pinched something in the shops. Yeah. And then when we got pulled by the, by the security guard when he was young, I was mortified because I wasn't mortified because of the police. I was mortified that my mate, my mate had stolen something. And your folks. And I'm thinking my folks any minute now, my folks are going to hear about this. I'm, I was more worried about my mum and dad than yeah. the police, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the and way I think, it was. I think many of us were yep. growing up. So you went into uh, door work, yep. um, and and you were competing at a really yep. really high yep. uh, level. Yep. Just a question: Do you class it when someone say, "What's your nationality?" What, what do you class yourself as? Um, black, black British, but yeah. you know, I still forget my culture as well. Yeah. Are you English? British. Am I English? Yeah, I'm a, I am English. Yeah, I am English. I mean, but. I, I don't forget my roots. I've never forgotten yeah. my my roots. Is always with me. 
but I am, yeah, I am black English. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud. I'm it's, proud. F- it's funny just yeah. because uh, we, we had this question on breakfast and I could not say that I, I, I couldn't class, but I mean, I wasn't born here anyway. Yeah. I came here when I was um, three, I think, or two yeah. or three of my folks brought me. But I've always thought, and I don't know why, I always thought, well, to be English, you, you've got to be white. When Growing mm. up, that's what mm. they always said to me. Mm. So British, yeah, I've got a British passport. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm glad that you say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you said it because you've competed for England or and, and, and Great yeah. Britain. So, and yeah. you were born here. Yeah. Absolutely proud of it as well. Proud. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I got children as well. I got, I got four dual heritage children. I got, yeah. I got thirteen grandchildren. Way. I got four. I got four grandchildren who all got blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> Blonde hair and blue eyes, mate. So it's quite. A That's awesome, though, isn't it? Is, awesome. Isn't that a celebration? Because you say that. Well, I'm, I'm not. But you're all of those things, aren't yeah. you? So, so you know, you're you're, you're English, you're British, you're Jamaican, yeah. aren't you? All and you're yeah. Bristolian. You, you don't have to be one or the other. Absolutely. You 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 are. You are. You, you, I'm I'm confident who I am, and I'm proud of who I am. You know what I mean, Pat? So mm. okay. Now you work for British Aerospace, yeah, uh, and, and, and I think yep. that's around about the time when I first met you. Yeah, uh, even though you were teaching for something really ridiculous, yep. like a quid or something, you were charging yep. kids. Yep. you were teaching them karate in yep. Yates. That's correct. Uh, yep. At the leisure centre. Yes, it was fourteen uh, years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what was it like at Aerospace? Aerospace again is, is, is amazing. I must be the followed me all the way around because again I went to work in British Aerospace and there's not many black people there either I'll tell you what let's put this black guy yeah. right isn't he's Lloyd let's put him in a place with loads of white people and get him did you get much much grief no 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 I think by then I'm a, I'm a grown adult then but yeah. you know it's good times at British Aerospace very good times I, in fact I, I worked myself up to be a, a senior shop steward some people used to call me stop sh- shop stupid but Ooh. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I was an eye-level shop steward, and, and my brother was a manager. So awesome. my brother would be sacking them, and I would be keeping their, their job. So it was, oh, gosh, so you two would be on a bit of a collision uh, course. Every time. Was he older or younger? Older. Older. Uh, that's difficult, see? Your older brother know, and that, you don't want to row too much, no, do you? No, I know, but that's the way it was. Do you feel people judge uh, you mm. uh, and others uh, on your accent? Because sometimes, mm. and I mm. talk to my, mm. my best friend Rodsy about this yeah. sometimes, yeah. and it's like, because you're Bristolian, people yeah. will assume that you're stupid or that you're not well, particularly educated or bright. Yeah. Well, there is that. Um, <laughs> and it's a black guy with a Bristolian accent, so that's double trouble for some mm. people. Yeah, but fortunate for me, Pat, when I'm in my own culture i can i can break into the jamaican or yeah. whatever because i'm proud you know what i mean but but predominantly i mean i'm a bristol and i don't care really just got to do what you got to do haven't you yeah. <laughs> now i remember talking to you a long while ago yep. uh, when you were at aerospace and uh you used to do bits of work with us and i That's remember right. you getting uh, as awarding you with a bristol athletic 2012 award yes, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, yeah. for much of your work with yep. young people and mentoring mm. and i said to you mate you need to go into it full time mm. you need to work with kids mm. you've you mm. got such talent and mm. like you know full time you're working in british aerospace mm. and my brain was saying hang on a minute if all those hours were put working with kids, mm. um, what a benefit they would get because there aren't mm. many people that have had the life experience and the life story that you had. Mm. And you know, and I know the attainment specifically, not yep. exclusively, but of young black kids yep. uh, and young white working class kids yeah, as absolutely, well. Absolutely. It's pretty shocking. It is shocking. At our schools in Bristol. And so you ended up working as a mentor yep. uh, and a role model in, yep. in some inner city schools. How Abs- did that come about? Um, that came about basically, uh, my, uh, I was working at British Aerospace, but I didn't feel 
jobs worth there. I didn't feel the value of working. Mm. And the other side of me, I've always worked with young people. I've always engaged with young people. I just wanted to try something different. So basically, I left overnight and just just literally wanted to change my career. I've always mm. think I'm a people's person. And I just... Yeah, you are. And, I, and uh, basically, I just... I started working for the Education Action Zone way yeah. back in 1999. Yeah. And that was the start of my really fulfilling my dreams of working with young people. Um, yeah, from then, it's just... From there, I got a job. My first job literally was working in Fairfield yeah. Grammar School High when it was then. How I, funny is that? How funny was that? And then, and then in those days, um, there was a lot of issue in the black, in the, in, in the areas those days with in the drugs black communities, and, and yeah. the nine. Yeah, I, 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 I done well. I think I engaged well. I, How I, did you find that though? Because all right, you've always been a people person. Yeah. Um, in terms of sporting stuff, you've always had a, mm. a standard of excellence. But yeah. but come on, your daytime job was working in British Aerospace, and you know, and you were yeah. uh, you know shop steward and stuff. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you're thrown into this world where you've yeah. got to mix the needs of head teachers and and and, and pastoral yeah. support workers, many of whom didn't even understand. Very true. The kids. Very true. And then you're into a world of young people that maybe. Because mm. I know I used to find it difficult that you think, hang on a minute, these kids don't have the level of respect that they should have that I had mm. uh, for, for their elders. So how did you, how did you kind of uh, navigate that? You know what? I, I put that down to, I, again, I'm going back to the beginning when I, when I was at Fairfield School and I, I know those skills I've learned of, of engaging with, with white people, engaging, and I've, I, I just didn't see colour. So I, I thought, you know, I'm confident enough to work with anybody. And that's, and that's what I did. And that's what I done. I um, basically engaged with people in St. Paul's and I had, from, not only from St. Paul's, from, and then I branched out and worked with all, all the communities, all over, from Norwest to, to Lotleys to Southmead to Kingswood. I just, because I, I felt I had belief in myself, basically. I had a belief that I can do it. I can I me- just touch- I remember somebody once said that you had a unique, mm. you had a uniqueness about you that, that made only you, Lloyd Russell, mm. Mm. kind of qualified to work in all these different mm. areas. And you mm. said it from Shirehampton to Lockleys, yeah. Yeah. Um, to Norwest, to yeah. Hartcliffe, to, yeah. to St. Paul's, to Easton, to Montpellier, yeah. all these areas and all these parents. And I've, we've had conversations. Yeah. We were talking outside Rose, Rose Green one night and I remember yeah. A story about, um, you know, a young person that, were, that, that, that they were causing problems in a particular school. But you would then go home and then you would go, <laughs> you would go and talk to parents. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then you tell the parents, <laughs> you go sit down. Yeah. This is what you're going to do. This is yeah. this is what this kid is going to do tomorrow in school. Yeah. This is what sometimes mm. the young people. Well, often the young people are the victims. Yeah. Um, actually, and they might play up in school. But when you go home and you yeah. realize the environment. Um, how difficult Absolutely. was that for you? Because other professionals didn't have your approach. Well, and that is after problem even today, really. Sometimes behind every uh, problematic young person, there's a, there's a story. And the story is when you look at the, uh, the, what they have in their life, some got single parents, some are single parents. And, and, and there is that thing where I have to put my hand up, missing fathers. There's many, many missing fathers out there. Yeah. And, um, and if that child hasn't got that unity, it, it does cause mega problems. And some of the young parents lose their identity. You know what I mean? Um, crime is now massive. Drugs and, yeah. and, and, and young people just follow, 
just follow what, what, what it, the path what it's at there for them. And if they've got no role models, then basically they just follow us out there, you know, other gang members and things like that. Um, I like to think when I get into these people's lives, I. I I've, I've been there. I've been there, I, and I can I, I can direct them or put them in the right direction. You can, like they say, you can't save them all, but you can no. save one or a few. And I think I've done that over the years. Lloyd, there are literally thousands of people listening right now that that will know you, that will know of you. You touch their lives in some way. And even when I just posted up a little uh, picky of us lot and, and and said that you're on, you know, the amount of reaction and shares and like loves and all, 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 all that that kind of came through how does that make you feel does it does it make you feel in some way that do you know what some of what you have done has been worth it because other people appreciate what you've done well i well i thank everybody if they've done that but i i mean i'm at a life now i just well we're all going to meet our maker and i just want to try and do a bit of good before the time happens i just i like to think people remember me that say well louis louis tried tried and if i Mm. tried my best and if I could save one or two, then I, I can go with that, you know what I mean? But uh, I do it because I just love helping people, basically. Many people that don't know you, um, or even some that do, mm. will know that you hate doing radio interviews and stuff like this, yeah. which is why yeah. I'm thinking, do you know what? You, you don't like it, do you? No. Why, why not? I'm not, I'm, I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not a person like you, Pat, and people like yourself. People yeah, but like, you are. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a behind-the-scene person. I, I like to think I'm a, I'm a foot soldier. I'm on the ground. I've I, over the years I've had opportunities to be a manager and, and things lead, team leaders. I, yeah, I, that's not me at all. Doesn't I, interest I, you. No? Doesn't interest me in the slightest. Maybe that's why I'm so poor, Pat. <laughs> but <laughs> ain't we all? Yeah, yeah. No, no, but no, no, but, no, no, but I think I'm rich in rich in in, in, in people yeah. people's thing. I, so I t- I'll take that interest time over. Let's, let's tell a little story because we yeah. were involved in this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the radio station that's now Breeze. Yep. Um, yep. As part of a little conglomerate and yep. whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, you, me. Yeah. Um, your brother. Yeah. Tennis. Yeah. Um, Martin Starr. Yeah. Started uh, what was then Q, QFM. You guys started it. And yep. then I came along at a different level. Yeah. Um, mm. And it then turned into, uh, we went to a company called UKRD. Correct. Yeah. And we won the license, didn't we? We did. We did. We did. Yeah, we did. And what makes me laugh about you, I thought I was the only one. Between mm. the two of us, when they all came calling and said, we'll give you this money to, uh, you and me were the only two really that weren't really interested about the money, were we? Absolutely. I mean, originally when... I'll always remember that. I mean, at the very beginning, myself and Martin was discussing QFM at British Aerospace. Thinking wow. about setting up a pirate station. And that's Q as in K-U-T-E, everyone. It stood for Keeping United Through Entertainment. Correct. Even in those days, yeah. there was something about, you know, yeah. it, there was something about unity, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. and, and we, just wanted to, we just wanted a community radio station because we saw, we saw previously other radio stations have tried it and, and taken over by the, the yeah. big boys. And, and I, you know... I think, unfortunately, with FM, it went in the same direction, unfortunately. Yeah. The big boys came in and... Oh, but there was nothing we could do in no, those days. No, was no, there? absolutely. And like I said, I'm a community man, Pat, through and through. And mm. I, I'm not, I'm not a, a front person, but I'm definitely a behind-the-scenes person. You know? yeah. I, I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm behind you, Pat. I'm one of these people. <laughs> you, you hit them first, I'll hit them after. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Mate, I'll let, them, I'll let them if you're behind me. Listen, we virtually, you know what? We virtually yeah. run out of yeah, time. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but uh, I want to say that... Um, Currently, uh, you're, you're doing Caribbean family trees. I mean, you would have heard we, we spoke yep. to Stoney, uh, Adrian Stone, on, on, on the radio. And he's, yeah. he, wow, man, he's traveling all around the country yep. uh, doing this. Uh, something you're interested in? I, I do Caribbean, I do family trees with Adrian. So we're wow. quite, we're quick partner in crime, but I love yeah. doing that. But I just want to touch on before I go, yeah. my love of my life now is working with the homeless. I was going to finish on that. Oh, thank you. Uh, which is great. Because my love. It was great having Jasper in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've already told, so I'm not going to bore yeah. people with a story again yeah. about how Jasper and I hooked up again. Yeah. But what I really loved is, and I yeah. saw all these posts, and I've seen it grow. Yeah. That kind of, you know, he's pleading for help. And, yeah, you, yeah. and one day you've decided, you know what, I'm going to go down there. Yeah. What are you, nearly every night? Are you involved? Well, uh, I mean, he's he's my leader. I've always followed. Jasper's got me in trouble many times by over the years. Jasper, <laughs> I know. But, now, now he's on all the one show and all that. Yeah, but but you know, the homeless situation is, is is terrible in Bristol, and and all the people's volunteering, they're doing a grand job, and I just like to be part of it. When you're down there, it is absolutely horrendous. Uh, what how many people is homeless? And if I could just do that little bit to help, then I'm. Again, I'd love it. Lloyd, it's amazing what you're yep. doing. It, it really is amazing what you're doing. And, and you're an, an inspiration for so many people. If you could if, if you could just speak to people, whether it's uh, the man in charge of housing, Paul Smith, or, or uh, uh, her ladyship, Theresa May, or whoever it is, or Marvin Rees, or, 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 or any of those people in power, what, what would you ask them to do that you think that they need to be doing? Maybe they're not doing. Or maybe you think they're doing what they can. Oh. I, I trouble with um, politicians, they got their own agenda. And I think at this moment in time, especially in Bristol, I don't think that it won't be a while before that they start probably take notice. But at the moment, all the way it's going, it, I think that's only just around the corner, I'm afraid. Uh, it, they need to go down there themselves for one night and just participate and see what's going on down there. You know what I mean? It's, Isn't it getting worse? I mean, you've got signs about you yeah. can't beg, you're going to get fined to do this and whatever. Isn't rough sleeping? I mean, homelessness is a massive project because mm. people are sofa surfing, people, the people are on housing waiting lists. Yep. Uh, and then yep. the sharp end of it is those people that are actually sleeping out side uh, and, and you guys on a day-to-day basis are, are supporting them yep. and, and, and jasper and you guys yep. with with the containers which is an amazing mm. concept but it's a big problem isn't it massive problem and i don't know how this is going to end but um i i think i, I use the word epidemic i think down the road yeah. there's definitely going to be an epidemic before mm. probably the powers to be take notice yeah Lloydy, it's been there's been so many other things that we could be mm. talking about, and maybe we'll have to come back <laughs> another time. Uh, but I hope we've had uh, you know had a little snapshot mm. of your life. Mm. Uh, people that didn't know certain stuff about you have, have got to know a little bit more, and people that have never met you mm. have got uh, a bit better of an understanding about you and what, what makes you tick. Uh, so, really proud to have you in today. Thank you for having me. Uh, proud to call you a friend. Uh, proud to have you as my friend. And, oh, even though you're a Derby you. fan. Yeah, hey, come on. You can leave that bit out. Uh, and also, yeah, no, proud on no. behalf of so many no. people in our city. You know, thank you. We haven't got QFM anymore, but we have got Ujima and we have got BCFM and yeah. we're c- community broadcasters. Um, so at least we have that. I'm going to dip this track in just at the, last, at the last minute. We'll get about a minute of it. But uh, Lloyd Russell, thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. Thank you.